Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Cisco System shares slumping 2.5% after hours. Cisco is predicting another revenue decline as the company tries to remake itself amid a changing networking industry. Stocks push higher. The dollar fell. Treasuries advanced as Federal Reserve meeting minutes showed that officials are concerned about inflation remaining persistently low. The S&P 500 index up three, a gain there of one-tenth of one percent. The Dow up 25, a gain also of one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ up 12, a gain of two-tenths of one percent. Tenure up 14.30 seconds, yield 2.22 percent. Gold up 8.90 the ounce, up seven-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude down 1.6 percent to $46.81 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you very much indeed. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets with myself, Caroline Hyde in London, and Corey Johnson in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg. I'm going to give the people what they want if the people listen to Bloomberg Radio because we love having the CEO of Redfin on the show. Uh, Glenn, always a pleasure to talk to you on or off the air. Uh, since I saw you last, you did an IPO offering. I'm a made man, Corey. <laughs> no, 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 that's, Glenn, that's not what made man means. It's different. Oh, you never mind. Wait a minute. I'm not from New York. You're going to have to explain that to oh, me. I, another time, perhaps. Uh, but, uh, talk to me about the IPO. Uh, why'd you do this? Stocks traded up since the IPO. I don't know if that's good or bad. Do you feel like you left money on the table? Cause the stock, well, you came out at about 14 bucks a share and it's trading at 27 right now. Oh, uh, we'll see where it lands before declaring victory. I think we have a long ways to go before we say, it's been a good IPO or a bad IPO. So I'm not worried about that. The reason we did it is simple. We used to be able to get a higher price in the private markets. There was this big unicorn bubble, and you could talk to the same investors about the same company, and they'd pay more for a stock that they couldn't sell. And now I think rationality has returned to the market, and so we just decided to go public. This is going to be a long-term, durable company. We think it could be a great independent company. It belongs in the public markets. Does it affect you as a CEO, as a leader, Glenn, now being held to account by the public markets as well? Do you think that's something that a lot of these private companies would benefit from, this sort of uh, ability to be held to account? Well, there's some ways in which you don't want to be affected because you can get all stuffy and corporate and lose your appetite for risk and not be able to think long term because you're just worried about the next earnings call, and that is death. So I think we have to avoid that. But the other way to look at it is that you get to compete on the biggest stage, that you've always wanted to show your stuff and demonstrate what you can really do. And being in the public markets is the world's biggest possible stage. So I think this is just the beginning for us, where we really get to show the rest of the world what can happen when technology makes real estate better for consumers. What are you going to do with the money? That's the problem, Corey. If you actually need the money, they'll never give it to you. So I think it's, it's true. I think it's nice to have the currency to be able to make strategic acquisitions to invest in new businesses, but the core business is doing pretty well. So we don't plan on losing a bunch of money for years. Um, that's not why we went public. We went public because we wanted the ability to look at new businesses, to acquire companies, and we didn't want to have to argue about what our company was worth when we use stock to buy another company. 
Acquisitions, are they going to be all U.S. focused? Are you looking internationally? Oh, I would love to be an international man of mystery, but right now we're really focused on the United States. We still have a long ways to go here. Where's the business working best? Are there, are there certain regions where you're seeing a special strength? All the big coastal cities, so Chicago. Wait a minute, that's not a coastal city. Boston, well, L.A., the, Lake Michigan is, 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 is a, is a, is a, has its own yeah, coastal water. Sure. Um, but uh, the big cities are where we do best. It's a concentration play when we don't have enough agents to cover the territory. We can't get people into homes fast enough. So I think our challenge is just getting to that critical mass in the big cities across America. And the fact that we've done that in a few places and just kept on growing really fast was what impressed investors the most. Um, you've now got a lot of money that you're going to be sitting on, as you say, and not splashing too much. I mean, what, what do you do with that? Well, you try not to blow it all in one place. I don't think that the treasury function at Redfin is going to be gambling in the capital markets. Um, but as far as where we invest it, um, we're going to invest it in technology. We're going to invest it in major new businesses. We've looked at the mortgage business, which is something that we launched earlier this year. That's going to take many years to bring to fruition. But when we do, it can be this great platform for reinventing the whole way you buy and sell a home, not just the first part of the transaction, but the money, too. And that is a lot to bite off and chew. So I'm sure we're going to spend a little while swallowing it. Uh, and uh, as as you go through this process here, I mean, what what kind of questions did you get in the roadshow uh, from investors? Anything that uh, sort of a theme that come up over and over again? Oh yeah, there were a couple of questions. I think the most interesting one for us, the one that surprised us the most, is why not lose more money and grow faster? There are some investors who really have an appetite to take down big markets, and so. They were more risk-friendly than we were. We've always run this business out of the cash register. We weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth, so we felt the pressure to make money. And I think there's some hedge fund kings who just said, take the money and run. Let's see you really grow faster. And the limit for us on that is just not screwing up the customer experience because if we grow too fast, we can't hire good agents, we can't deliver great service. Uh, but that was the fundamental tension in the roadshow between profit and growth. That's amazing considering the stories that we're seeing, well, the tales that are now being told from a share price perspective by both Snap and by Blue Apron, that many, what really the investor base wants to see is growth, but also it, you can't not have growth if you don't have profitability and, and, and a bottom line. And so yeah. how, do you, how do you think you've made yourself stand apart from the demise of, of these two recent IPOs? Yeah, well, I was chewing on my fingernails in the back of that Goldman Sachs SUV because of Blue and Snap. There have been a couple of IPOs where investors were not as receptive as the bankers had hoped. And that colored uh, our approach to every meeting, I think. But the difference here is that I think we aren't as flashy as some companies, but we really have a durable growth story. Investors had talked to our customers. They knew that we had a significant amount of repeat business. They knew our customers were much happier than those traditional brokers here in the States. So I think the same reasons that they were nervous about other Internet companies' long-term prospects actually gave them confidence about our prospects, and that's been a real reversal of fortunes. We've spent years talking to Corey about how venture capitalists hated the fact that we had a real-world operation as well as an Internet component to our business. Uh, but now the fact that 
We really work hard to make customers happy, gave customers, or excuse me, investors, more confidence in the business. Well, let me ask you finally about the roadshow process itself. I, I always found when I was when I was on the buy side, I have, journalists aren't allowed to these meetings, but as a, when I was an investor, I was actually able to go to these meetings. That it was it was actually sort of the, some of the best prepared investors who really did the homework because they wanted to understand if there was an opportunity there. I wonder what you found in your roadshow process meeting with all these money managers. Yeah, it was a gauntlet. I mean, some of them had 180 questions written down, and they wanted to get through every single one. So it was rat-a-tat-tat. You barely got to go to the bathroom. They read the entire S1. They'd done their own research about how real estate worked. They'd used the site. And they're about to deploy $30, $50 million. So they want to make sure they really understand your business. And it was just the major leagues, baby. Those guys really dig in. Uh, well, well, I hope uh, you enjoy that and continue to enjoy it because they aren't going away. Glenn Kelman, uh, thank you very much. Glenn Kelman, the CEO of Redfin, joining us from Seattle, uh, Redfin's headquarters. Um, so glad to have him, as always. Carolyn Hyde, also glad to have you all day. Thank you very much. Such a pleasure. What fun to be with you, Corey. Yeah, Caroline Hyde, uh, at Caroline Hyde TV on Twitter. I'm at Corey TV on Twitter as well. Um, and uh, this has been Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Let's this. do it again tomorrow. Let's do it. This is Bloomberg.